This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I am joined by Marshall Kay. Marshall is the founder and CEO of RFID Sherpas, a retail consulting firm. I'm excited for him to be here. Welcome to the show, Marshall. Thank you. It's great to be with you today, Chris. Thanks. So, Marshall, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, Thank you. So, I am a management consultant. I've focused on retail for over 20 years. And 15 years ago, I founded a retail consulting firm called RFID Sherpas that helps retailers and brands at any stage of their journey putting to use this interesting technology called RFID. It stands for radio frequency identification. A lot of what we do is classic retail consulting. I began my management consulting career at AT Kearney and then spent some time at a global consultancy called Kurt Salmon Associates before launching RFID Sherpas. Um, I also do advisory work for private equity firms and other firms with a financial stake in retail. And then on top of that, I wear another hat too. I write articles for Forbes as a member of their global team of retail contributors for Forbes.com. There are about 50 of us worldwide. Excellent. Well, excited for you to be here. Uh, what are you working on today? What, what, what have you been working on these days? The better question is, what am I not working on these days? I'm getting pulled in a lot of different directions. Actually, the team, uh, our team at RFID Sherpas is getting pulled in a bunch of different directions because RFID is all about having a a precise view of the inventory in your store. And that, of course, is very relevant to your ability to operate profitably. And so, as you can imagine, as the worlds of online and brick and mortar have converged, Uh, the need for that is more acute than ever. And so we're working on projects for some very large companies, uh, one in the wireless and telecommunication space. um, And we're working for a uh, a very prominent uh, athletic apparel and footwear brand. And uh, we're working for a large national sporting goods chain um, and some smaller um, smaller businesses too, including direct to consumer, digitally native. So, um, you know, really a a handful of different projects and that's what makes consulting interesting. Well, let's unpack that a little bit. You spend a lot of time in RFID and you mentioned retailers knowing precisely what's in their store. So what is RFID? Great question. You can think of it as a smarter version of the barcode. The barcode needs to be seen to be scanned. Um, It's called line of sight. And then also with a barcode, you could have five of the same item all sitting there, each with the same UPC, but the system actually doesn't have a distinct serial number for each of them. RFID uses radio waves, and so it allows a retailer to take a full inventory of its store in under an hour, in fact, often much quicker than that. 
the type of inventory count that they typically would only do once a year because it's expensive and cumbersome, um, they can basically have that, uh, that precision pretty much 365 days of the year. And not only that, it gives them a, different, a separate view of what's on the sales floor compared to what's in the stock room. And that, of course, is very, very helpful to the team working the store to make sure that the sales floor always has out uh, for purchase exactly the products that you would want out and in the right quantities for each of them. And then also um, the corporate systems, the IT systems that power so many of the decisions that need to be made by the company, uh, that, uh, that information is so much cleaner than it ever used to be. So this isn't common for all types of retail. You know, don't, don't expect this in hardware stores. You know, that's not where it's, it's really taken root. It's, it's quickly taken root in stores that sell clothing and footwear, including department stores, uh, mass merchants like Target and Walmart. Um, and it is starting to proliferate into other uh, consumer categories as well. Do most retailers, well, how do retailers, I would assume that most retailers have an idea of what's in their store and what they've sold through. How are they tracking that today if they're not using RFID? What I'll tell you, and, and it's probably best to isolate the discussion right now on uh, retailers that sell clothing or footwear or both. It's, it's the easiest for us to, and I think for the listeners to get their head around. There is a tremendous amount of inaccuracy. It's persisted for decades and decades. It's almost been like a dirty little secret within retail. So when we talk about inventory inaccuracy, we're not saying that you might think that you have 10,000 pieces of clothing in the store, but you really only have 9,000 pieces of clothing. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that at the SKU level, and SKU, as you know, stands for SKU, or Stock Keeping Unit, at the SKU level, so for example, a blue t-shirt sold at Banana Republic in size medium, a men's t-shirt, um, that's a, a SKU. So how many of that blue t-shirt um, uh, are sitting on the sales floor? How many are in the stock room? Um, Basically, retailers aren't able to correctly, uh, I'll say estimate, but basically retailers don't have a correct view of the precise quantity that's in the store a surprising number of times. So for every hundred SKUs, um, typically a retailer in a clothing business um, operates with only 60 to 70% accuracy, meaning that to, for 30 to 40 of those SKUs, the amount in the store of that SKU is different than what the retailer's systems are telling the retailer it actually has. Usually they have less, uh, sometimes they have more. I can imagine how human error would be involved, but how are the systems off? Well, you know, systems are only as good as the data uh, that, uh, that are fed into them. And so, um, you know, in clothing businesses, there are lots of 
reasons for this. It's not just error within the store and that happens. Shoplifting is part of the problem, but it's to say it's the primary driver is incorrect. Often what gets sent by the factory and received at the distribution center and then ultimately arrives in the store isn't what uh, the retailer had ordered or believes to be uh, in the carton, so to speak. Lots of reasons for this, substitution, even theft along the way, uh, all sorts of errors. So by the time an item gets to a store, it isn't economical for the store literally to do a piece-by-piece -piece count of every piece of merchandise that ever gets delivered to it from the distribution center. And so they uh, typically assume that what was supposed to be sent is sent. That doesn't mean they have no reconciliation, but they don't do it at the piece level typically. And then there's further inventory distortion that happens. Here's the best way of thinking of it, Chris. When inventory gets sent from a distribution center to a store, it is essentially released into the wild that the, the retailer loses visibility into exactly what's in the store at any moment in time. And the store is essentially a black box. That's been a situation and a challenge for retail for decades, but RFID has solved that problem. And harmonized retail where stores and the online business need to work in concert has made this level of precision absolutely essential. And I'll give you an interesting statistic from McKinsey. They do a report every year called the McKinsey Global Fashion Index. And what they do is they track over 350 publicly traded companies. And they looked back as far as 2010. And, they, and for the McKinsey Global Fashion Index, it's not just apparel and footwear and handbags. It's also watches, uh, luggage, and, and things like that. Um, and what they found is in 2010, about 70% of companies were able to generate an economic profit. 10 years later, by 2020, only about 30% of publicly traded companies in the space were able to generate an economic profit. And one of the things that speaks to Chris is that it's harder and harder to operate profitably in this era of harmonized retail, or what some people call the omni-channel era, if you don't know what you have, where it is, and you don't have the tools to access that inventory efficiently. You make sense. So in your world, are with the consulting you do, are you consulting retailers how to onboard an RFID system? That's one of the things we do. Um, sometimes our clients turn to us and say, hey, we realize we need to upgrade our, our inventory accuracy and inventory management capabilities. We know that there are different uh, software solutions out there. There are different types of tags. There are different types of uh, devices and what we call hardware in different ways to do this. What should we be thinking of? How should we be doing it? Which companies should we be buying these things from? And how do we make it happen um, in a way that is practical and cost-effective? And oh, by the way, the payback is typically under 12 months for these investments. And I'll also tell you, Chris, 
that um, this has been a necessary upgrade um, and has been on the table for years and years and years. Clothing businesses, apparel retailers, and several other retailers who are only starting to think about this now are very late to the game because many of their most successful competitors made these improvements years ago, but it's been a quiet revolution within retail. Yeah, it has been quiet. You don't read a lot about RFID. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not what people think it is either. You know, it's, there's much more to it. It really does touch every aspect, every facet of a retail enterprise. It's very cross-functional and, and it really is something that properly belongs on the CEO's desk or part of their mandate. It sounds like it. The you said there's a 12 month payback typically, or under 12 months. Under 12 months. Yep. Give some context around that. Where are where are people losing the money? So, like, where where do they get paid back from? What areas of the business? Yeah, typically, in terms of uh, the business case, um, you are. Uh, you're driving revenue growth, you're driving what's called full price sell-through, uh, which is the percentage of units you sell that are sold at full price or closer to full price. You're squeezing more dollars out of the same number of units. Also, you're able to operate your stores with less inventory in each store in your store fleet. We're, uh, we're often, uh, often able to uh, to look to a, a benefit of over 10% in terms of getting leaner, which is consistent with what retailers want to do as well. You're benefiting from speed to customer too, because you're able to leverage store inventory to fulfill um, online orders when and where that makes sense and reducing the number of orders that get canceled or turn into split shipments because store A can't find all the items on, on its uh, pick list that it needs to to pick and pack, and the order gets split amongst multiple stores. And then, of course, you've heard of something called BOPIS or BOPIS, depending on how you pronounce it. Uh, I say BOPIS. Got it. We can still be friends. <laughs> I say BOPIS too. Um, uh, but um, that's a real winner for uh, for retailers and for property owners. It drives traffic to the stores. And um, when you have the ability to know what you have in each store and the ability to fulfill those orders effectively and quickly, um, that's a real winner. Also, there's something called the attachment rate. When someone comes into a store to pick something up, about 30% of the time they buy something else as well. And, and that's what the attachment rate is all about. Um, a key thing I haven't mentioned is that because retailers who don't use RFID typically don't have confidence in their own inventory data, what they end up doing is hiding both from themselves and from their customers a significant percentage of the inventory that actually is sitting in stores. They basically will have a business rule saying that unless our system tells us that we've got, let's say, three units of this item in stock, we're going to act as if we have none because we're not confident that we even have a single one of them. And even if we did, we're, we're not confident we could actually find it within the store. And so as a result, you have a significant percentage of your working capital tied up in inventory that isn't being fully productive for you or for your customers. Wow. 
I had no idea about that business rule. Uh, so a lot of information there. Let's take a step back. What, how does RFID actually work? How does it do all these great things that you're saying it can do? Got it, great question. So I'm holding up in front of me, you can probably see on this Zoom call, what looks like a typical price ticket. This is yep. from Target. This is one of their great private brands called Goodfellow. And it looks just like a regular paper price ticket, except on the inside, it has a microchip. That microchip has all of the product's information and a serial number as well. This uh, microchip within the tag, uh, well, within the price ticket can be read from many feet away, you know, uh, up to 30 feet away. Basically what happens is when employees take an inventory count using a device that looks like a barcode scanner, a mobile barcode scanner, they walk around the floor of the store um, and you can have multiple employees doing this at once. And some people say it's like they are wanding the floor. Basically, the scanner wakes up the microchip inside this ticket and the microchip communicates back its information. It's just a, it's just a license plate number, basically. And on the back end, the system understands what that uh, license plate number represents, what the product is, its uh, size, color, style, and the serial number too. And so for the employees in the store, this streamlines their work tremendously because now the store always has a clear picture of exactly what quantities of that stock keeping unit, SKU, are on the sales floor, what's in back stock. So you have a streamlined uh, tool for directing um, employees to pick from the back room what's truly needed on the sales floor and what's and not what isn't needed on the sales floor. Also, you're eliminating instances where employees are being directed to look for items in the back room of the store that aren't even there. The net net, the net win for the customer and for the retailer is that stores who use RFID are uh, much better able to have the full range of product um, on display. So as a customer, when you walk in, you're more likely to find what you're looking for to begin with without needing to look for help and also in the right quantity too. So that's just one, one win. And, and you know, if I'm, if I'm a real estate professional, I realize that's, that's uh, that you live and breathe real estate. And yep. I have real passion and I've devoted a lot of thought over the, and time over the last few years to the intersection between re retail and real estate. And basically you have a whole bunch of retailers and re I'll call them retail tenants now um, who have made this important upgrade. You have a bunch of retail tenants who haven't, but ought to have made this upgrade years ago. And some of them have already run out of time. Some of them are quickly running out of time. Most property owners number one, aren't even aware of this distinction between smart stores and stores that aren't smart. Maybe we call them dumb stores. Let's just call them traditional stores. Um, aren't even aware that the distinction ex exists. But secondly, even if they understand the distinction, have no idea which tenants fall into which camp. And it, you know, I've highlighted some of the uh, benefits to a business and some of the elements of the business case. 
Also, you have the ability to reduce theft and shoplifting, not just uh, at the exit door in terms of stopping thefts from happening, but there are other ways to reduce overall shrink. Um, and that's, an, uh, that's a, a cost to the business that's becoming harder and harder to swallow. Um, there are ways to improve checkout speed using RFID. There are lots of different ways that this benefits the company. And so you have retailers, certainly in the world of clothing, certainly in the mid-market, because we know with income disparity and polarization, those who serve, um, th those retailers who are more value-oriented um, aren't in trouble because unfortunately there's more and more need for those who can offer good, uh, good merchandise at fantastic price points. Those on the higher end of the spectrum in terms of luxury and the bridge category, uh, those folks are in pretty good shape too. In fact, I'd say quite good for some of them, but that whole mid-market, you have a lot of clothing brands and retailers who are quickly running out of time. They already have a lot of pressure on their businesses and those pressures have been there for a while even before inflation, even before the supply chain crisis, these were pressured businesses. And now they're trying to operate without these critical capabilities. I, I equate it to like a carbon monoxide leak in the sense that you don't know you have a problem until suddenly you're dead. And that's what's gonna happen within the next two to three years with certain retail tenants. And it's, it's not hard to see who some of those are. And, um, and there's not gonna be an autopsy apps after when some of them uh, file for chapter 11 or, or uh, completely liquidate. Um, you know, People aren't gonna say, ah, they, they, they started RFID too late. Um, there won't be an autopsy, but I assure you, this will be the straw that breaks the camel's back for many retail tenants. Interesting. We are going to take a quick break here. And now a word from one of our sponsors. What would be the impact on your business if you could consistently get a lease out the same day an LOI is signed? More time to focus on the things that matter? More money allocated to essential business needs? These are the kinds of things that are made possible with LeasePilot. LeasePilot is the only specialized contract management software application built specifically with commercial property owners in mind. Our cloud-based platform connects your drafting language and asset information to a powerful data-driven backend to help you prepare your leases faster with less room for error. With a team of lawyers and paralegals on staff, the setup process is designed to be painless and at a price point that is a no-brainer. Find us at leasepilot.co to learn more. The, as we've seen, one of the things that is true though, I will say is it's really hard to take down a retailer. Look at Sears. I, you know, it's funny. I use that example all the time too. It's really hard to take down a retailer. Uh, this will seem like a strange reference, but uh, I'm going to reference the Simpsons because what the heck, why not? Okay. Uh, Homer's in the quickie mart and, and the, and the, the owner Apu uh, says, as Homer tries to squish a Twinkie, silly customer, you cannot kill a Twinkie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it, the, some of the, 
if they, you know, some of the retail, obviously there's clearly margin to be gained by what you're talking about from inventory management. Uh, a lot of retailers though have made this a priority. I have, you know, when you look at, now, I don't know about RFID, but they talk about inventory management. And one of the things that the, one of the things that happened in the uh, pandemic, especially in Q4 of 2020, they had less goods to sell. So they were able to maintain margin and sell at full price. And there was a huge benefit. And we, we keep talking about, well, will we keep going back to discounting, you know, those products because they order too much and which is always, you know, a problem and, uh, you know, which they didn't have because they couldn't get too much. Um, and I think a lot of lessons were, you know, learned through that uh, process, especially in apparel. We'll see, um, you know, you know, I know, um, I, I, I've, I've heard some CEOs talk about, you know, they, they're not going to reduce prices back down. They're going to maintain margin. And, um, th that certainly helps with inventory management. Um, you mentioned before that this is really focused. Well, actually, let me back up. The one thing you talked about was the unknown when they get the carton at the store. So the RFID tags, RFID tags, are they put on at the distribution center? They're typically put on at the factory. The factory that produces the merchandise um, essentially is putting on a smarter label. I, I showed you the example of a ticket, uh, but I also could have shown you uh, an example of a sticker, actually like the one I have right here as well. So basically, these factories are receiving um, smarter versions of the tickets and labels that they were applying to begin with. So does that mean, does that solve the problem of not knowing what I get at the store? Or is that even with RFID, is that still a challenge? Um, no, basically RFID provides you with the opportunity to rapidly confirm what you received what you receive, what you receive. And um, some brands and retailers are using RFID, even in the distribution centers to uh, to validate the contents of a carton when they're received too, for some of their merchandise. Um, but uh, but for a retailer, um, yeah, you, you have the ability to understand exactly what received what uh, was received at the store. That's a big win. It's a huge win. You mentioned that it's the real opportunity is in apparel and footwear. Mm, I, I, or, or, or it's, that's where the most, I don't know how you worded it. How did you word it? Yeah. And sorry, I shouldn't have interjected so quickly. I apologize. Go tell me how you worded it. Apparel and footwear is where RFID took root quickest. Um, and many of the world's most successful and most prominent brands and retailers of apparel and footwear embraced RFID over a decade ago, or and certainly within the, the last 
eight to 10 years, um, some over a decade ago. So um, let's talk about Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. Those are the three biggest uh, apparel and footwear athletic brands, all of whom are tagging virtually all of their uh, apparel and footwear um, and increasingly other merchandise as well. You have in specialty apparel, so mono brand pure play specialty apparel, you have Inditex that owns Zara and then other brands too. Uh, you have H&M and Uniqlo owned by Fast Retailing. All of those companies uh, are using RFID. Well, let me, let, me, let me get back. What I was getting at is you don't think it's as necessary or as, or we will see this quiet revolution in grocery or hardware. You mentioned, you you know, it's not necessarily for the hardware store. What were you getting? I'm trying to get the distinction between apparel and footwear versus that. Got it. So, okay. Uh, apparel always made a ton of sense. Uh, there were other categories that it's always been known RFID can add value. Um, we're seeing with consumer electronics and the wireless category as well. So smartphones, tablets, all related, cords, cables, accessories, consumer electronics, not just TVs, Xboxes, stuff like that, home goods. So not just the soft home goods categories like towels and bedding and linens, where Target's been doing that for about five years and Walmart, has made it a requirement in the US for all of their suppliers, not just of soft home goods categories, but all home goods categories. There's tremendous opportunity for RFID to add value there uh, with sporting goods, with toys um, in supermarkets and food. Um, and food by food, I include restaurants like QSR. Um, you have exciting stuff going on uh, right now. So you have Chipotle who recently announced that they're doing a program with 200 of the restaurants in the Chicago area and a distribution center. I know of another very well-known global fast food QSR chain that has ordered 10,000 of these um, handheld devices. I mean, big programs are being rolled out and it's not just those two. But so... You, you focused on apparel and footwear, and I guess my question is, why? Is it less important in other areas? Is it harder to do in other other sectors? What's what you, you focused on apparel and footwear. I'm just getting to the why there. Sure. You know what? It, it, that's a great question, and, and, it's, and it's, it's good to probe there. So uh, with apparel and footwear, uh, you have a lot of skew diversity, and it's and it's been hard to maintain that accuracy and precision. Uh, and also these are, uh, I'll call them ecosystems where it's been comparatively easy to, uh, to generate, um, well, to get tagging at source at scale. That's really what I'm getting at. Um, there are, it's not as simple to, uh, to coordinate with uh, the largest consumer electronics manufacturers in the world who have their own retail businesses too. It's a longer 
it's a different conversation. It's taken many years and it's exciting where we are right now. Um, for, uh, for some of these uh, other categories too, you don't have the, the seasonality that you uh, see with apparel. You don't have uh, the fashion nature of certain apparel as well. Uh, from a price point perspective, apparel has always uh, made a ton of sense. Are we going to see RFID on a can of soup? Uh, probably not. Uh, and to your point, certain types of product are easier to tag uh, because of the nature of, of those products. Um, RFID can be used on items with liquid. RFID can be used on items that have a lot of metal, but you just need to be a little more, a little more thoughtful in terms of how you tag it, where you tag it, stuff like that. That's why some of these categories have taken a little bit longer to open up, but, uh, but things have really changed in the last 12 months. So just for everyone as context, why would I probably not see it on a can of soup? Sure. Um, number one, you would, uh, you would need a, a special label uh, for that. Also, the business problem that you're trying to solve um, isn't necessarily as acute as it is, you might only have two of a two or three of a particular uh, size medium of an article of clothing in a store, and it's important for that item to be where it needs to be. You know, if it's on the sales floor, on the sales floor, if it needs to be packed up for an order, packed up for an order. If you're dealing with cans of soup, there are other ways to tackle that problem, and you know, RFID isn't a hammer in search of nails, meaning like a solution in search of problems. Given the price point of the soup um, and given the fact that uh, there are other ways to tackle the problem, I wouldn't expect it. And given the fact it's not the simplest of items to tag, um, I wouldn't expect it uh, there. But from a price point perspective, um, an item doesn't need to cost more than a can of soup in order for it to make sense to have an RFID tag, for example. It all depends on the business use and the context. Makes sense. What haven't we talked about about RFID that we should? Great question. I'm just going to look. I scribbled a couple notes before we started. Um, I would say this, that retailers, certainly in the apparel and footwear space, who have been operating their businesses for decades with SKU level inventory accuracy hovering in the 60 to 70% range, now have the opportunity to be operating their businesses 365 days a year in the 97 to 99% range. Uh, and that isn't to say that the, the technology isn't 100% accurate. It is, but there are always factors like, was the, the product uh, tagged right? Is the, uh, is the tag still in good shape? Stuff like that, that and human, human process considerations. But basically a number of retailers and consumer businesses made this transition a long time ago uh, but it never got a lot of attention, that this is a step change. When you think about commerce, um, there once was a time when every business operated just with pen and paper, not with computers. Then computers became a thing. And then barcodes were invented and then became commonplace. Then the internet was invented. And then e-commerce became a thing. And then smartphones. RFID for certain segments of retail, and I'll, I'll start first with apparel and footwear, 
has been a game changer on par with that. Over time, it will have a very large impact on many other uh, types of retail tenant that a property owner um, would uh, be interacting with. But that's the type of change that we're talking about. And there's a, a tremendous thirst for data to power an organization and machine learning and AI. And, and all of that is great. Um, I would say you, all, you also need to look at the quality of the data that's driving your organization too. I don't like to do this, but I think I'm gonna ask a question I know the answer to. If it's as impactful as the smartphone on retail, which is a bold statement, why do we not read about this in headline news ever? You know what, that's a great question. I, I've written a series of articles in Forbes. Many of my articles uh, discuss RFID in one way, shape or form. Some of them don't, but um, I'll tell you, uh, part of it has to do with the fact that RFID got its start in retail in the mid 2000s when it was first uh, an initiative that wasn't about tagging individual pieces of merchandise, but was about just putting a smart sticker on the outside of a pallet containing a bunch of cartons of merchandise. It became a pallet level and carton level initiative or was perceived that way. And the initial program that Walmart rolled out way back then uh, went sideways. So RFID was viewed as a technology at first that got out of the lab a little too quickly or was viewed as a supply chain technology about getting stuff from factory to store with greater visibility and accuracy. That's not really what it was about. RFID has always been an item level proposition. And what was obscured was this very powerful item level proposition. So RFID, there was this, there was this fog. And then the other thing I'll say is that um, it probably is, it isn't viewed as particularly sexy. Um, and so sometimes some of these very, very important enterprise initiatives and programs don't get the attention they deserve because um, they're not perceived as uh, buzzworthy um, or sexy, even though they're immensely important. You know, the chairman of Nike on a Wall Street call, um, call with investors in 2019 said that RFID was giving his company uh, the clearest picture of, of their inventory that it's ever had. And he said it, RFID was quickly becoming the most important tool in Nike's arsenal to um, align a customer's demand with the company's supply. Uh, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but that's basically what he said. Um, part of it has to do um, with whether a journalist believes that their editor uh, will have interest in a story they, may, they might want to pitch to their editor. I think that factor has worked against RFID for several years, too. So you ask a really good question. There isn't uh, a simple answer. I have a couple of reasons why, but I'll give you the core answer. Very simple. The answer is the consumer already expects that the retailer knows exactly what's in the store and how much they have. And um, the, the most consumers already thought they've already known this for a long time. And the fact that there's not 
and they might think there's like a 5%, you know, variability, but the fact that it's like 30 to 40% variability is the reason is this is already expected. Whereas the capabilities of a smartphone and a consumer's interaction with the store is one was not expected Two, it is a direct interaction. Whereas like RFID is, is very different. This impacts my experience in the store potentially, right? Um, much like if I had a touch screen in the store, that would be that like did something, you know, in for me, that would be more impactful in my head and therefore gets more headline news. I think that is the biggest key is that the consumer expects that this is the case already. And uh, I think they'd be with the exception of when you go to the store and some retailer says they have something online and you get to the store and it's not there with the exception of that. But I think consumers feel in general for their favorite retailers that that's the exception, not the rule. I think consumers would be amazed at the number of retailers who are still operating with, I'll say, um, versions of technology that really were best suited for the 1990s and haven't really been dramatically since then. Uh, You'd be surprised at the number of retailers who, um, who, who don't have the tools in their stores to uh, allow their store employees to do what's needed to be done as, as the demands have changed. So consumers might, I wouldn't cause I'm a business operator and evolving your tech stack is not easy. And especially if you've got thousands of locations, international co- like that, that's just, it's not easy. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised by that, but I understand your point. Uh, okay. Running out of time here. I want to take us to the end of the show. I got three questions for you. You've been great. You got ready for three? Sure. Okay. Question one, what extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Tower records. You're I'm a big guy. music guy. And I used to love walking through tower records. Do you, do you still listen to records? Uh, occasionally. Not as often as I'd like to. Do you have a nice record machine? I don't. Oh. But all, all you need is someone who does. <laughs> Touche. Question two. What is the last item over $20 you bought in a store? A hockey stick. Oh, for you or your kids? For my daughter. Okay. You're from Toronto. Hockey's big. Hockey is big. All right. Last question. Marshall, if you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? Well, as I said before, I like their Goodfellow brand of private label clothing. And so um, I guess you'd find me in the menswear section where, where I'd be looking for a new flannel shirt. Perfect. Well, Marshall, this has been great. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And uh, let's stay in touch, man. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. 
This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.